Welcome to PharmaTalk Radio Podcasts. I'm pleased to share a panel discussion from the 2022 Chief Medical Officer Summit 360 on the topic of positioning yourself for board roles and what to expect. For more information about the CMO Summit, our editorials, podcasts, and webinars, please visit cmosummit360.com. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, hi, everyone. Great to have everybody here, and I hope this is going to be a lively half hour, uh, and hopefully we can get some audience and uh, participation, too, if there's time. I'm going to introduce myself briefly and then have my uh, panelists here introduce themselves as well. So Julie Hamilton, I am semi-retired, as I like to say now, uh, have been a CMO at a number of companies, but my full breadth of industry experience has been at large and small companies. I was at both Genentech Roche as well as Bristol Myers, uh, and then uh, at three small companies, including one company where I was the 15th employee. Uh, and now in my semi-retired state, I sit on six boards. Uh, three of the companies are public, three are private. So very different issues across the board. And we'll, we'll get into some of this as we go. Thanks, Julie. My name is Aoife Bren. I'm the CEO of Synlogic, which is a local company just, just across the street. Um, I have some board experience as well. I actually joined my first board while I was CMO of my current company. Um, that company had a successful exit, and I've subsequently joined two boards, one public company and one private company. Hi, everyone. I'm Jeff Humphrey. I'm the Chief Medical Officer at Magenta. I'm also on the board of Citeer, uh, and I'm probably better known as the husband of Rachel Humphrey, whom many of you probably know, uh, who also has been on several boards, so I've, I've learned by extension. Holly. Thanks, Jeff, and we'll welcome you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, hi, I'm Holly Schachner. I'm the Chief Medical Officer of Double Rainbow Bioscience, of which I was also number 12 in the company. Um, and I've, my experience has been that I've been in both large pharma and uh, smaller pharma and had two acquisitions during the one pandemic. So I figured, let me take a little bit of a slow down and join a startup. And um, I've also been on the board of a nonprofit um, for Ju Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, and I am currently on the board of AMTI, which is Applied Molecular Therapeutics, which is a public company based out in the San Francisco area. So great, great uh, experience here, and hopefully you all will uh, glean uh, some good pearls here from the group. Um, let me start, I'll pick up a comment that you made, and that is um, joining a board as a CMO and joining your first board. You know, that's a big deal. Oftentimes companies, sort of like a CMO, they want to get somebody who's experienced, but eventually somebody's got to just invest in you for your first time. Uh, and that's true for becoming a board member as well. I was a operational CMO at a company when I was asked to interview for my first board position, met with the CSO and the CEO, and it really, it made me think through, why do I want to do this? And part of it is, for those of you who are chief resident, nobody really wants the job, but none of us ever say no. That's sort of like your first board. I think I'm supposed to want to sit on a board, but I'm not really sure why. So. Let's just think that through a little bit. What should people 
be thinking about and why do they want to join a board? Because we all have different philosophic reasons for that. Yeah, so, um, you know, I can share my thought process in terms of joining a board, and I think it really um, started to become um, part of a professional development plan at the end of maybe my, like, first or second year as CMO. And there was a lot of things I didn't miss. I had moved from being at Biogen to a small company. There were lots of things I didn't miss about the big company. But one of the things I did miss about the big company was those kind of meetings where you got to see into everybody else's programs and their development plans and their issues. And you don't really get that at a small company. Often there's one program, it's like really important to you, you know everything about that program. But the experience that you get from being exposed to the real under the tent stuff on other programs, I felt I was missing. And I started to speak to others about, you know, what are the opportunities? How do I continue to develop? Not just, you know, running things and running other, other functions was new to me as a first-time CMO, but also I missed that kind of understanding other programs. And that's when the, the board opportunity came about. Um, and one thing I, I, I'll share um, before passing to others is that often the first time you get the call, it can be super flattering. Um, and this is maybe something you want to touch on later on, but you know, not jumping and waiting for the right opportunity is just so important um, because I think, you know, I, I felt at the time, junior, I was like, why would anybody want me on, on a board? So when I had that first invitation, um, you know, it was almost like, oh, wow, I'm so flattered, there's no way I can say no. Instead of going into diligence mode about the opportunity, I kind of started to behave like I'd been, you know, given this amazing honor, <laughs> like an Gold Academy star. Award <laughs> or something. Um, and I think, you know, in retrospect, I think that was the wrong reaction. But, um, you know, I've learned through experience how to kind of do that diligence process from the board member side of things, as well as, you know, recruiting board members onto a board. Um, and I think it's, it's a very important component, of, particularly of that first board role um, as a CMO. Jeff, why don't you taking, you know, extending that a little bit further, what would you be looking for in a company? When you do the diligence, uh, you know, I think a key lesson here that you just heard is don't join a board just to join a board. Don't join a board just so you get your first board. You really want to think it through uh, for a variety of reasons. And Jeff, why don't you go through some of those? Yeah, I, you know, I think um, in, in addition to learning, you, you do want to have fun. You want it, want it to be comfortable. So it's really important to make sure that you are excited about the science, you're excited about the medicine, and also you feel as though the other people on the board are scientifically rigorous, ethical, you like them as people. And so uh, in the vetting process to join a board, you, you'll probably meet every member of the board um, and there won't be a vote on your candidacy until you have. And it's important that you really sort of open up and you get to know the other people that you might be working with. And I think it was Linda yesterday asked a question about, you know, how do I get along with my peers and my CEOs? Part of the answer is you don't join until you really feel comfortable that you will get along with your peers on the board. So it's really important if you're feeling that there's a red flag or something, you know, somebody's asking an unusual question or making you feel uncomfortable in the interview, um, that's, I think, where it's really important. Don't jump. Um, it is possible to join a board and be miserable 
and um, choose not to stay because it's just not fun or not a good fit for you. So I think a lot of it, the vetting is just as important to see the science and the medicine and be excited about it. It doesn't have to be perfect, and it almost never is. So you're not asking for, for perfection. You're kind of asking, is this interesting to me? Could I make a difference? Could I, could I help this company? And then really critical in terms of kind of quality of life and being able to function um, in the benefit of the company is making sure that everybody you meet in that interview process, you're feeling like, okay, these are good people. They have good intentions. I feel comfortable with them. So. Yeah, I think a, a key question, at least I always ask, is how does the board get along? Uh, you know, everybody loves everybody else working with other people when things are going well. What really shows our true colors is when things aren't working well. The drug's not working the way you thought it was. You've got a toxicity issue. You can't raise money. So that's when the rubber really hits the road. And, and how does the board work together? And then another key thing is how does the board work with the CEO? Because that is an incredibly important relationship. Holly, tell us some of your you know, experiences, you know, what exactly you're looking for, and then maybe a little bit of how you see the development role as a board member when you do join a board. So thanks, and I agree with everything that everybody has said, and I'm sitting here nodding my head. Um, and you know, it was interesting because I actually was interviewing for both my next full-time role as well as a role on the board at the same time. And I had some of the same questions, but yet I had some different desires because I, I didn't think that the board role was going to be able to uh, fulfill everything that I wanted in my full-time role, and I didn't think that, that my full-time role was going to fulfill everything and why I was looking for a board role. But I do think that there are a couple of um, key aspects in terms of um, and I completely agree with Julie. It's very easy, and we all know this in our day jobs, to get along when everything is going well. But really specifically ask the questions, how, have, how has the team, the board, um, and the board and management team worked when things did not go well, when they were going sideways? What was the planning? What was the communication? What did that look like? And, and be, you know, ask what, what can be done better and what would you like me to bring to the board? Um, I, you know, when I was looking, I was actually very interested in making sure that I was working for a platform company. Um, I had opportunities with one drug, one therapeutic area, and I had spent 20 plus years um, working on individual products, I had also spent a lot of time in medical affairs leaning in and dealing with what was perhaps passed over the proverbial wall, saying, why'd they do this? Why'd they do this? And really leaning in earlier. So I now I, now I find myself in my day job working with rats and hamsters going, remember, this is why we did this. Um, but on the board role, I really wanted to be in the clinic, but also for a platform, um, really being able to bring that strategic focus and wanting to work with people who were looking for that. So when I looked at what everybody else on the board had, asked 
some of the same questions of each of them because then I was able to make my Einstein tables and make sure that they were consistent or that each one brought something different. Um, it's, and now that we are reading out our data, um, the experience that I bring to the board of having done that is very welcomed. And I'm not doing the job of the board. You really need to learn to listen and ask the questions and ask probing questions. And it, I have found that it's not so bad to make people uncomfortable, but in a comfortable setting, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. so. You know, I think uh, I often say, too, as a board member, and I say this to myself, our role is not to be hands-on and to get you know, into the company, that's the management team's responsibility, accountability. We're there to, quote, govern to, for the oversight. Uh, and so it is sort of like you were saying, Holly, it's the, what are the risks? Are they seeing all the risks? And do they have the appropriate risk mitigation in place type of thing? Um, so let's talk about, so you decide to join a board or you're, think, you're thinking about it seriously. What are the expectations of development on a board. Um, and maybe I'll start with you as a CEO. W what would you look for if you have a CMO board member or development board member? Yeah, I think it's so important. One of the um, key dysfunctions that I observe at the board level is lack of role clarity. And it's a big risk in bringing somebody who's a very strong execution background onto a board is that they really understand the role of the board versus the role of management. You do, as a board member, as an R&D board member, you don't have a job to approve the clinical development plan. That's the role of the CMO. And you could say, well, if I had this molecule, I would develop it differently. But guess what? No one cares <laughs> what, what you think because you're not the CMO. And you can see that dysfunction play out when there is that lack of board role clarity, when you don't have a strong chair who will really kind of cut that off. Because the reality is, as a board member, you have two jobs. To approve the hiring, of, to make sure there's the right CEO in place, and to approve the strategic plan and the budget. Even at a public company, those are the two jobs of a board member. And you have to make sure you understand enough about the financials, about the development plan, about how, how all those pieces fit together to be able to execute both of those functions. Your job is not to do the role of management or to critique management or to um, you know, get so far into the, the operational day-to-day -day that you lose that big picture strategic focus. And one of the things I think that's really important as somebody who has a strong functional background as a CMO is that you really understand that going into the boardroom, you're taking off one hat and you're putting on a different hat. And that different hat requires you to stay out of the day-to-day -day business of the operations of, of the company and to really lean in to some of the areas you're less comfortable in around finance. You know, my first board role, I was put on audit. I'm like, oh my God, what are they doing putting the, you know, the CMO on the audit committee? I have absolutely no interest in finance. But it was the best thing I ever did because what really makes an effective board member is somebody who understands not just the development strategy, the risks, you know, how much things are going to cost, making sure the team is realistic about what can be achieved, and how that interplays with the funding strategy and the fundraising and the burn. Are they spending too much? Should they be spending more? Because that's ultimately your role as a board member, and I think you have to really avoid staying in your lane and your comfort zone and, you know, making the life hell for whoever is your counterpart on the management team <laughs> and actually leaning into the places where you feel le least comfortable 
which is maybe some of the finance strategic and, and some of those components. Um, so that's been my observation. Yeah, I, I think that's a really important, those are really important points. And I think, again, it gets into that your role there is governance and strategy. It's not execution, as you were saying. But I will bet that uh, different companies have different expectations, especially the small private companies or the even the larger mid-sized companies that maybe don't have some of the right leaders in place. And they're going to need your depth of expertise and getting under the hood a little bit occasionally uh, to help the CEO understand that. Jeff, you're, you're on a, the board of a private company now. W what are you seeing in that regard? Yeah, it's, it's public currently, but oh. um, say, yeah, I think uh, it's very important to have an enterprise-wide view, and you're not there to do the job of a CMO. I think that's very important. Um, before joining this particular company, I had conversations with the CEO about, well, what do you expect of somebody with my background on the board? And it, it really came down to balance in the board. There was a lack of scientific expertise to interpret some of the plans they were putting forward. And they also had uh, somebody that they felt needed mentorship for um, uh, this particular company didn't actually have a CMO. They had a senior vice president for development, but needed mentorship. Um, and I think uh, it's really important to clarify with the CEO what the expectations are, because I've, I've also seen other boards where um, the board itself is really very disengaged from the company. I have one particular example in mind, and, and the CEO really needed to shake that up with somebody who would be paying attention and really care about um, the programs for the company. They, they had created a board with just too many friends, too many long-term acquaintances, and people were very comfortable kind of waiting for a catalyst. Um, I've also seen boards that are sort of too heavily financed, uh, too heavily balanced on the finance and investing side for, for different reasons. So I, I, I think the point is, probably the most important point is you're not there to do the job of your counterpart. Um, and you do need this enterprise view, and it's about asking these questions. There are 10 different ways to do any one particular development program, and it may not be your choice of how to do it but you need to help them do the best job they can with what they're choosing to do, um, as opposed to tell them that it's wrong or tell them they should do something different. So. Holly, have uh, anything to add? Or? Yeah, I, I, I think th that everybody's made great points, and I think some of it depends upon the size of the company, um, the stage at which they're at. So. While it is probably the first rule, you're not there to do the job. But I actually have been, I was specifically asked, can you mentor um, at the CMO? And mentor from a scientific perspective, some of the more financially focused board members. So, you know, they were getting ready and very um, uh, uh, anticipatory of data rollout. Wait, what does this look like? So I was sort of the bridge to sort of say, this is what I've done, but at the same time, recognizing that I have enterprise experience and how can we grow and how do we partner with large companies and what are people looking for? So I think you have to have that conversation and different companies are gonna be very clear with what they want. And if it's a not a right fit, trust your gut, 
don't go with it because if you got one phone call, you're gonna have another. Very true. I think um, to also say that, again, different companies have different expectations. Communication, setting expectations is really important. You know, for those of you who are still operational CMOs, for example, you know, and are thinking about joining a board, think about what the time commitment is and think about what tasks do you need to have, depending on also what size company you're joining. So when you're in large companies, usually you can't sit on a board. As soon as you go to a little company, all of a sudden the recruiters are calling, please, we want you to look at these board roles. And I would say be careful. Really think through what do you need to first experience as a CMO, especially if you're a first-time CMO, before you really can bring great value to a board because it is, as you're hearing, an enterprise role. It's not, can I help them design a phase one or phase two? That said, also know that I have joined one board and one of the, my co-board members was the acting head of R&D. For another private company I joined, I stepped in for half a year to be the interim CEO, and I had another company that was going through a leadership transition where I was asked to be the backup in case they couldn't you know, quickly find the replacement. So you have to just understand that, that these are, they're the needs too for the company, and you don't leave a board quickly. You're usually on a board for a good number of years, so make sure it's a good, it's a good pick because it's not just three years. What are some of the other roles? You mentioned audit committee. Usually the CMO is an independent, i.e. not a VC investor. So you're not gonna be conflicted and you're gonna be asked, especially as the company goes public, to sit on these committees. What are some of the other tasks that people maybe don't understand? It's more than just four meetings four times a year. I, I was gonna say, most of the companies will tell you we have a meeting quarterly and then you sit on different um, committees, and I sit on two committees, so I sit on NOMGOV, no Nominating and Governance, as well as Compensation, um, and those meet at my company three times a year. So, um, and, and I, I think that Julie makes a great point. Be, you know, really ask the question, what's the time commitment? Have the discussion with your CEO, your other exec members, I am very fortunate. Um, they, they have been incredibly supportive. Um, my CEO even said to me, he's like, I believe drug development is a collaborative sport. So I thought that that was a, a great answer, but it will take more time, um, especially when things may not be going quite swimmingly. So just be prepared for that. We all know how to pivot. So, um, but those are the different uh, committees. Well, I, I sit on the R&D subcommittee, and um, so that's perhaps a different role, but uh, a couple of important thoughts come to mind. I just want to build on what you said about uh, calendaring. You know, when a date is picked for a board meeting, it's not optional. And um, so it can be particularly, it, it can wreak havoc with your calendar, particularly if you have a board meeting for your current company and your supposed to be on a board for the company that you're on the board for. So, so that's something to keep in mind. And 
uh, I want to touch on the informal role of being kind of that translator. At the end of a board meeting, there's typically a period at which only the board meets to discuss. And that's when some of the real discussions happen because there's a, a lot of expression of what wasn't understood, I didn't understand this, this is what I think, I think that's more high risk than they were letting on. Um, and so it's, a, it's actually a very critical role to play um, because uh, depending on the composition of the board, it's very likely that you'll be the only CMO on the board. And um, because of that, in those private discussions, your, your assessment of things like risk and appropriateness and the science and the medicine will play a very loud, it'll have a very loud voice. So um, again, it's important not to denigrate what people are trying to do. It's, the point is to try to help them do what they're doing as best as can be done, hopefully to a very high degree of excellence. Yes, I got some advice earlier on when I was thinking about my first board role, which was, you know, as you think about your bandwidth, imagine that every company that you're involved in is going through a crisis. Because in times of peace, a board meeting, you know, committees, you know, it's very easy to plan around that. But in times when you're going through an M&A, a company is going through a strategic pivot, you're hiring a new CEO for a company, that can be a commitment of, you know, five, six hours a week in some cases. And you can do that if, you know, if you're on a couple of boards and one of them is going through a crisis, you know, you, you need to plan for, you know, imagine if every company you're involved with is going through a crisis and think about taking on additional responsibilities with that frame of mind, because it can be great. You can hear, you know, you can be on a board and hear very little for an entire quarter other than kind of updates, everything's going well. But when companies are going through a crisis, it can be um, very demanding from a time perspective. You know, if you think about doing a CEO search as a board member, you're doing the weekly call with the recruiter, plus you may be doing, you know, four or five other calls, interviewing candidates or doing reference checks, um, and, and that can be a big time commitment. So I thought it was really great advice, particularly now that I've been through a number of those kind of crisis periods with boards that I've been involved with, because don't get lulled into a sense of security if your first role hasn't been demanding and go take on your four or five others, because it, it, it can get, you know, it can be very demanding very quickly. I think the other to follow on that is around financings. Uh, so any company that's going to uh, do an IPO, uh, they submit a very long document called the S-1, and oftentimes, obviously, development is going to be asked to make sure you look at that development part of the S-1, which is usually very large, as well as all the risk factors, which sometimes are legally templated, uh, but still you have to read those. And then for any follow-on, we just had a company, they just did a big deal. We were on the phone with the board once a week to talk about that deal and the contract, and then boom, got a little uh, pop uh, on the stock market as hoped, and they went right out. And so we are on looking at all the 10Ks, getting all those finalized, because you're also on those audit committees. Uh, and then you're on the pricing committee uh, for whether it's the IPO or, again, because you're an independent, you are going to be asked to do those things. Investors can't sit on pricing committees when you price the financing. So you do learn a lot, and I just would, you know, I just really suggest, you know, get as much experience as you can now as a CMO, get through an IPO yourself, get through that financing, learn how to talk to investors. A lot of the things that we've talked about here at this conference uh, before you really want to join a board, because this will all be so new.
I think we have a couple of minutes, and I don't know if there's another topic that anybody here on the panel wants to bring up or if there are any questions, uh, if we haven't covered something that somebody wants to bring up. Go ahead, Jeff, I'll let you start. Yeah, while we have somebody coming to the microphone, okay. I just want to make the comment that uh, we uh, just before this made, which is if you'd like to join a board, the best way is to get to know Julie. <laughs> or to get to know somebody who's on a board. So it really is about networking, not necessarily with everybody in this room, but with somebody who's already on a board, um, it does matter. So, Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Roger Walsh, Molecular Templates. I, this is actually a question really vis-a-vis -vis senior management and the board, um, as opposed to joining a board. But you, you made reference to the closed session conversations and the board member discussions of, you know, what, what did we not understand or what were the risks that we didn't think were laid out? And, I, you know, I am genuinely curious, why aren't those questions asked of us during the live meeting? Why don't you just say, I'm not sure I really buy that? Or why are you proposing things that way I really feel differently? Why is it sort of kid gloves during the open session and then the closed session seems to be when you really talk about how you feel. Yeah, the board is watching you very closely. <laughs> and, you know, the, the board meeting itself, it's a chance for you to sort of represent how you see things. And certainly probing questions and trying to get to a, an understanding of what information they need to understand to make their own opinion about risk is important. But I, I think that there are, uh, first of all, there are a lot of people in board meetings presumably, you know, 10 or more. So you don't necessarily have the time to, to initiate a discussion about whether it's high risk or low risk or this or that and the other thing. So that's, that's one thing. Um, I think that's probably the most important thing. There, there may be opinions that are understood to be controversial that you don't want to discuss in open board. I think that that's really, you know, the nutshell. I think you will find, uh, there's so much information that gets, has to go through the boards. It's fairly scripted, um, and you can't spend that much time on each topic. But it does speak to the fact that a lot of the boards uh, and companies that I've interfaced with, the CMO of the company will interact commonly with the CMO development person on the, on the board. For example, I do chair a couple of R&D committees, and I always make a point of meeting with the CMO or the head of R&D before that meeting, which is before the board meeting type of thing. Um, you can have a relationship with board members. Uh, you just have to make sure that it's clear with the CEO that that's okay. Exactly. Because it gets back to one of the earlier sessions we talked about messaging. Uh, CEO always wants to make sure you're on message, and that includes with the board. So there's a lot of discussions that happen, you know, once the meeting is over. And uh, it is something that you just have to figure out how best to navigate. Just to build on that very briefly, because I know we're out of time, I think the biggest issue as a CMO is understanding is it the dancer or the dance, right, as a board member. And often non-technical board members, if something is slow or if things are not turning out, they're like, do we have the right person or is this just the science? And that's what you need to bring as a CMO board member, say, no, the team is executing. They're doing everything they need to do. We just had a bad outcome, or things are just taking longer than needed. And I think that's really where you can add value in the closed session, is by helping educate on some of those things. That's a great point. I, yeah, I, I will just add that I would strongly encourage that close relationship with the full recognition and support of the CEO, of the CMO to the 
CMO scientific person on the board, meet with them before, meet with them after. Um, because sometimes people ask the questions because they're not certain, so they want to get within the smaller group, get that answer. But I always find rightly or wrongly, like my role on the board is also always to be the advocate of the medical and scientific team to explain to people who, who may not understand. But sometimes that happens in a smaller group. That's it. Well, thank you, everyone. Uh, this has been a great panel discussion. Thank you. It's, thank you, my co-panelists. Right. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. For more information about the Chief Medical Officer 360 Summit, our editorial podcasts and webinars, please visit cmosummit360.com. Thank you.